Good evening, ICE friends and family. Tonight we come together for the 12th Ice Cool Podcast Sessions. This is your host, Ken Dieterich. I'm hanging out in nice, cool night here in Ohio. I got my co-host, Mr. Jess, Jess Parrish, is out there in Colorado. Hoping he tags in here at some point. We know with the situations they've got out there and uh, his hands are on some land, so he's, he's kind of tied up out there at this point. Uh, for this ice cool session, we have a, a new guest, and it's awesome because it's somebody that I've ever never actually met in person, and I really like doing podcasts with, with both, somebody I know and somebody I don't really know like in person, but have known on the phone or in the business. So we bring in New York City's Shintaro Akimoto from Akimoto Studios. Shintaro, welcome. How are you tonight, sir? Hi, Ken. Thanks for uh, inviting me for this um you know, podcast with the great um, community of ICE people at large. Yeah, you know, this is this is kind of historic at the end of the day because it's new, and in no way do any of us get to talk and communicate unless we go to the very few competitions that are left. Yeah, I mean, it's such a you know, kind of a, a niche, you know, uh, um, world. You know, it's, it's a subculture that, you know, uh, not many people know about but then once you know it it's such a, a deep um beautiful place to be so i it's, it's great that that you're doing this yeah i like the way you just put that because it is it is deep and it is a beautiful place to be being in the business being with the people it is small it is unique and you know uh i appreciate the kind of an applause there we are getting some applause from people uh you know telling us that the the, the positive message from the podcast is is either helping them through a day or you know, added to uh, their week or whatever it was. So it's, it's, it's really great. And I, I know we'll have a good listening. My forecast is a good listening adventure with you. And uh, I'll be interested to hear from the folks that, that, uh, that always, you know, chime in and kind of comment. They're always so excited. So, you know, shout out to all those great listeners for sure. So how are things in New York City? New York City is, uh, I mean, it's right now, let's see, it's, it's you know, it's kind of inching into mid-September. I mean, it's been basically a kind of very quiet, cautious place for the past six months, right? Um, and uh, I think overall, the, the New Yorkers have taken this pandemic, I mean, we got hit hard, really hard, yes. uh, you know, when it started. And, and, um, and, well, I want to say too, you got hit in a different kind of way, because I think yeah. if I could have somebody sitting on to my left that would say I was hit really hard from COVID, but they might have been laid off and they might not have had what they needed in some way, but uh, they didn't experience the caliber of death that you guys did in your area, and it's it's you know it's just it's mind blowing. Right, right. Um, I mean, and, and you know, it's the the num the numbers are are just shocking and 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 you know, surreal and unbelievable, but it, it, it's, it was there. And, and you know, um, it's this invisible thing that, but, but we see it, I, you know, I see the, you know, as I, when I pass the hospitals, the, the, the large freezer trailers and, um, you know, and, and the New Yorkers have taken on the, the, the masks and uh, the, the distancing very seriously, which I, I think is, is amazing. I mean, they had, the entire scenery have changed, you know? Um, 
but uh, you know, I think that the businesses uh, are, are slowly um, coming back. The resilience is there. Um, you know, the, the helping hands are everywhere. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's, a, it's a single win every day, right? So, yeah, so things in New York definitely hit a stopping point. And as you're talking here, they're starting to inch back up. I think there's a, a roundabout way that uh, I guess some business can definitely happen during a pandemic. And that's what we're seeing. People are trying to learn what they can do. I think uh, in Ohio, they got a little a little too quick for a minute, and everybody's kind of backed off now, and there's there's some real seriousness, definitely, I would say, still right now today, even though the numbers are, I don't, I don't want to say they're as bad, but they're still really bad, you know, and they're probably worse today than they were months ago, but it, it's collectively, it seems like there's less deaths. Yeah. So Ohio's just opening up, you know, ice carvings, it's, uh, it's something that we're going to see crawl back. And, you know, with me over there at Elegant Ice, we've seen, I want to say it was the first week of July, we had two. And then we had two or three and two or three and two or three. And uh, we had a couple weeks where we've had five or six also, but it's pretty much been two or three hit or miss. And Cleveland is a really, really strong town. Uh, they appreciate ice. It's used all over the place. I mean, I can't believe the amount of ice that's used there. And it's not that way in some towns. You talk to them like, oh, no, we don't really do any sculptures. We do lots of sculptures. Yeah. And the Aaron built a great market there, and that's part of it. He has a great, you know, a great market that he has that he built for 20-plus years. But all those businesses are hurting, so we're only getting that little bit they can give us. And what's it looking like for Okamoto Studios up there? Well, I mean, you know, at, at the, the onset, it was, it was absolutely devastating. You know, it's, uh, it's sudden. And um, I mean, you know, for us, it was, it was such a sudden screeching halt, you know. Um, and uh, I had, you know, when he first started out, I had, gosh, man, like, uh, you know, th three weeks full events just just domino down canceling and you know it was very quickly palpable how how serious uh this uh pandemic was was kind of you know hitting its threshold and and going exponential um so um i did my best to really kind of you know face the the really tough decision to uh, I think, you know, let go of some crew so that they can um, receive their benefits um, and really, you know, just stay in touch with everybody, um, see how, you know, they're doing on a personal level, but, you know, just economically, it's been, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it was really, really hard. Um, and, uh, you know, once the, um, you know, the, the reopening kind of slowly uh, started to happen. Um, we were getting calls and there were a handful of kind of uh, uh, account clients uh, who were trying, you know, and, 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 and I'm grateful for them to include us and, um, you know, reaching out to us to, um, you know, think of ideas, what we can do and, 
you know, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's amazing to see people um, reaching deep for kind of, you know, creative minds um, to do something. And, and no matter what, like, you know, life goes on, there's birthdays that's going to happen and there's going to be, um, you know, celebrations of, of many different forms that's going to find its way. And, um, you know, uh, some people have uh, included us. The reopening is slow. And, uh, you know, New York, obviously, you're centered with a whole lot more people. How many sculptures are you seeing, like, on a weekly right now? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, um, really less than a handful for the past couple of weeks. But then I had, I mean, there were just, you know, some, there were, there were some days, I mean, you know, when the NFL kind of did the reopening and we did a little project with NFL and uh, NBC Sports. Awesome. Uh, so we had some kind of an activation project uh, that was, that was cool. Um, and then, uh, interestingly, uh, like more, like our, our, we were getting anniversaries and birthdays and baby showers and weddings from like African-American communities, like never before. So that was really interesting. Um, you know, that we really had to pivot because, you know, like much of what, of our clients and our, our, our business model was, was more kind of B2B, you know, we're working with event planners and designers and, you know, um, and, and we really kind of, you know, started to kind of needed to redesign and then reshift our, our focus to more personal, you know, um, kind of directly consumer pro, you know, uh, clients and, so, you know, we had to repackage some of our product much smaller, much more intimate, making ourselves more accessible and, you know, um, looking at our, our internet presence and, and how our, uh, you know, website presents itself, bringing out kind of a, a online, you know, shopping availabilities, capabilities, um, did, did some of that. Awesome. Well, you've had your, I was looking all over your website and you have, it's, it's laid out really well. Um, and I got into some of the stuff and I noticed you, you got your hands in a lot of projects. And I remember some of these things. I didn't, some of them I forgot about, but the Iron Chef America thing, cause I'm a chef, right? Was obviously yeah. this before I switched gears to be full-time ice carving. I want that to come up. Uh, but looking at some of the things when you talk to NFL and New York's a great place for some great projects. Do you think there are some awesome things that you've been able to get your hands involved? Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's the one incredible I think you know um, I think uh, benefit of being in this big city, right? We, I mean, so you know, so much of the media and publications um, are 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 based here, you know, from from ad agencies to uh, you, you know, just, just headquarters of, of so many different genres, you know, um, and, and just, just by being very close to them, they, they, they reach out to, to us and, 
I, I just, I felt like, you know, that's, that's, in, I mean, in terms of business, free marketing for us. So we have to open the doors no matter what. And, you know, um, and, uh, you know, it, this is a city that's always hungry, thirsty for something different, something new. And, uh, you know, most of the time clients come with just the inkling of, of like just doing something really cool and just loving ice. And I, you know, you, you just usually just start out with just educating people what's possible with ice. And then that becomes springboard for, you know, different ways of approaching ice and, you know, the pushing the envelope. And, um, yeah, I mean, this, this, this is a, this is, we definitely get to do a lot of amazing things. You mentioned basically client education. That's a big part of this, um, this business that some carvers might need to take up and they might not have ever even thought about it and, or they, or they don't do enough of it. It's, tell us about uh, kind of the history of Okamoto Studios. And I, and I know this is a father son business and uh, let's, uh, let's get down and talk about all of the history because there is definitely some history there. Okay, sure. Um, let's see, uh, uh, it's Okamoto Studio. And uh, we started our studio, I mean, we founded the studio in 2003. Uh, and, but my life with ice goes way, way back because uh, my father was a, was a sculptor. Um, and uh you know um i think the ice community would know um the education i think that came from your father is is probably unprecedented about the same time there was quite a few people doing it but i think a lot of people uh have some probably interesting things to say about him and their point of ice carving yeah uh, i mean I it's always amazing because whenever I do uh, uh, get to spend time with the ice community, there's always new stories about my dad. And, you know, uh, I mean, for those who don't know, my, my, my father, Takeo, uh, I mean, he passed away in 2012. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, um, and we, you know, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, we were originally from Japan. I was born in Japan in the southern island of Kyushu. Uh, and, uh, you know, we uh, immigrated to Alaska in the early 80s um, uh, when, you know, uh, Anchorage was a booming uh, international uh, hub, uh, you know, because all the airlines had to do a, a layover in Anchorage uh, during the Soviet era. Um, and it was, you know, it was one of the first American seas that, that, that was eating sushi, uh, mainstream, you know? And uh, my father had an opportunity to uh, own a, a Japanese restaurant there. Um, and in preparation of that, and he, he, he kind of dabbled in ice carving as part of the elective in his education, the culinary education. Um, and he was always a very creative person in general. He was, he was he, you know, he would uh, make paintings on, on his free time. and. You know, um, his, his family business background uh, is, is general contracting and, and he's done, you know, uh, landscape designs to uh, architectural designs. He's, he's just, he was just a, a true renaissance man. Um, but after going to, to, uh, to Alaska, you know, spent, uh, uh, you know, uh, a bit of a time just uh, settling down and 
um, you know, uh, one uh, boring winter day took, you know, uh, me and my brother to a frozen lake and to pull out a chainsaw and cut a block of ice, pulled it out and carved a swan and gave it to a friend for a birthday. And, you know, somebody else wanted it. And that kind of became a little side gig for him. But this, this was just the, mo uh, the time, I think, when uh, uh, Anchorage had one of the first uh, international ice carving competition. Um, and it wow. was very much a beginning of this kind of burst of, I think, gotta ice out, carving. We got to figure out what year this was because I have this huge allotment of photos. Oh, yeah? Yeah, huge, like bin loads of photos that go back. At this point, they go, I mean, it's 2020, so we're going back into the 80s, you know. Yeah. We're going back 40 years. 40 years, maybe longer worth of pictures, but there might be some stuff in there from that exact event. Did your dad compete in this said competition? In, in this competition? Yeah, he did. I mean, I, I, and I was his partner. Um, I absolutely hated it because my job was to, you know, just shovel, scrap ice and, and, and uh, eat chilies at warm stations all night and and be the, the hand that's holding this cantilevered piece of ice that's, you know, with, with the dripping water going down my sleeves, you know, in, in 3 a.m. And uh, it was just brutal. But, but you know what? Uh, I mean, the, the people that were involved were just the most fascinating people, you know? So that, I'm not, even my, you know, young self just stayed with me. Uh, uh, and, um, and I think my father loved this kind of DIY, kind of self-taught, um, the kind of true freedom and possibilities in, in, in an art form like nothing, nothing he's ever encountered. Um, and he just required so much like, innovations and, and you know, trial and error that he gravitated to. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he, he was a man of not too many words, you know, he was more of a kind of a, you know, watch and learn and show kind of, kind of person. Um, but he, he always had this uh, amazing kind of generosity and um, I think it's just aura is the only way I can, I can describe it. You know, people just gravitated to him all the time. Um, and, and, and just, just, just being generous and just sharing and helping out. Um, that, that was phenomenal. I mean, you know, uh, the way he get, give, gave himself to everything and everybody it almost made me jealous sometimes, even as a kid. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the, Alaska is also where, uh, he met Junichi and, uh, I didn't know, but uh, Junichi told me, um, way later on that, uh, uh, it was my dad who, uh, um, took Junichi to Fairbanks for the first time, you know, told him about Fairbanks and, uh, drove in down there and, and did the ice Alaska for the first time. And, wow. You know, you know how, how, how that went from there. <laughs> he never left, really. He never left. <laughs> so, 
Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I was, uh, so I, mean, I, I had, I had an amazing, amazing experience with, with ice, um, going through that with him and doing it in Alaska and, you know, meeting some amazing, amazing people along the way. Um, but I was his partner throughout high school, did some traveling, some doing competitions, exhibitions with him. Um, and then uh, I went off to college, you know, um, my, my background in, in the arts is, is, is more 2D. I was always painting and drawings and, you know, um, I really kind of excelled in that and that was my, my life, my passion, you know. Um, I mean, growing up in Alaska, my, my thing was uh, wildlife drawings and um, especially in the 80s, the school district in Alaska had lots of money and uh, they had this incredible gifted program for, uh, for kids. And uh, they really took me under the wings. Um, you know, even when I, before I, I could even speak English, I, I, I did this uh, watercolor drawing competition when I was uh, third grade. Um, and that was the first time my dad let me do a, a pull an all-nighter because uh, I wanted to make this drawing. It was due the next day. And it was like two by three, you know, big piece of paper and was a watercolor drawing of all different animals in Alaska. And, and uh, I spent all night drawing it and he helped me kind of get through that. And then I won. And then uh, that kind of, you know, piqued their interest. And they put me on externship programs with like professional wildlife artists who would come a couple of times a week, pull me from a, a class and give me a, a little tutorials. And, and then that grew to... Um, doing a night classes at local colleges where the professors then like invited me to do, you know, life drawing classes since I was like 14, 15. Um, and I was just eating all that up. Um, and, uh, you know, um, so I got really uh, just into, uh, you know, uh, making paintings and large drawings and, uh, you know, um, that kind of became my main drive uh, going into college. Um, and uh, I went to Brown um, University, East Coast, Rhode Island. I went from the biggest state to the smallest state. Um, and uh, I, I was doing a double major. Uh, I was actually doing fine arts and uh, pre-med. Um, I got into medicine whilst doing, doing you know, making paintings. Uh, with my interest in kind of figures kind of naturally became, uh, you know, learning anatomies and, and uh, the gifted program coordinator uh, then suggested me start looking into some, you know, medical fields. Uh, and she first put me with a uh, plastic surgeon because she thought that might be a co good combination of the kind of the medicine and arts. And I had some moral issues. Uh, uh, kind of had all these questions then, uh, but then she put me uh, together with a, a general surgeon there who uh, we, we hit off really amazingly and I would do little medical illustrations for him and then I would, I would be able to watch surgeries and I just had amazing, amazing experience. So I had that with me going into college um, and I struggled with both all the way through until the very last semester in my my senior year when I was making stone lithographs and kind of hit my head saying, this, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. 
And uh, I uh, was you know, taking MCAT and, and I said, forget that. And told my, my parents that um, I think I'm gonna, you know, pursue the arts and, and, and then kind of went, you know, full steam from there. After college, you did a couple years in, uh, in New York doing odd jobs and uh, showing work in galleries. And, and then I did my graduate school in painting at Hunter College here in New York. Um, and uh, you know, while in New York, my, my parents always loved visiting New York. Uh, they, they loved the city. Um, and when I was graduating thinking, what's life after that? My dad and I you know, kind of started talking and we always had a great working relationship. You know, During college, I was helping out with the drawings and, and logistics, uh, even for his competitions and stuff that he'll be doing with, with Junichi and helping with research and you know, a little bit here and there. So, I mean, I, I, I really got to understand the logistics involved working with ICE, you know, even away from ICE. And, you know, I was, I was fortunate to have this kind of arch education and kind of sensibilities, you know, uh, being an artist here in New York. And, and uh, you know, we, we, Dad and I started talking, what well, maybe what we can do something together, looked into the, the, you know, maybe we can do ice sculptures in New York and looked in the events industry and it was just amazing, robust, you know, booming industry with, with, with lots of possibilities. Um, we had one chef contact that my dad went to go see and he was like, don't do it. Like, absolutely not. It is, it is a tough place to do anything. Ice sculpture had a really bad rep in New York then for, you know, crappy work uh, with, you know, just, you know, not being on time and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and low prices, just price gouging each other. Um, but if anything, I, that kind of became a springboard for us. Um, and I just felt like with my dad's, you know, skill sets and um, uh, understanding of physics and what's possible and, you know, um, my understanding and, and working with him. And, and, and again, like the way I can talk about ice and what it means and, and making it relevant, you know, to, 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 to make ice sculpture uh, in New York uh, now, um, we just felt like we can't go wrong, you know? Um, and then next thing you know, my dad just said, I'm done with Alaska. He closed it all up and uh, filled his van and got a, got a trailer and he and mom and, and uh, in middle of February, he drove right across Canada and came to New York. And, and uh, we started a shop here in Queens, New York. And that was 2003. I love that story. So sorry, that was a really long story. But <laughs> I, I, would, I would chime in and say something, but you sound so great. It just, uh, just roll with it, man. It was a really great story. I'm glad we covered things. Um, it seems I was trying to remember because I did. I didn't get to meet you, but you did a piece. You somewhere you did a piece in Ohio. Or maybe your dad did the piece in Ohio. It would have been in the early 2000s or middle of 2000s. When you guys had the Arctic blast, you know, the, I think the first two or so, um, Aaron invited us. and, and the thing uh, out there, uh, Ashland University. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, I, I think you, you were gone 
but you did uh i don't remember what you did but i remember you were there and uh there was a couple people that were there i think janichi might have been there that year too and i missed all yeah. the caliber people that i wanted to see I yeah was i was i don't remember where i was working grand canyon or something and i came back everybody was gone i went up and saw just like the, the guys from cincinnati and toledo and cleveland that was, that was who i got to see yeah 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 but yeah that's a pro that project doesn't go on anymore that was a large project a lot of people got to come to that and uh that's not a project that's around anymore unfortunately well yeah yeah i mean my dad's always said hey it, it, when when uh aaron calls and invites we will we, we go yeah, but you go everywhere. He's, he's called me on projects in Colorado. Uh, we've never been able to actually link up and work together, but, um, you know, you know what I'm talking about up there in the mountains and rich people, they all, all the movie stars hang out. I'm not going <laughs> to name any cities, but everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get around. Hey, hey man, I wanted to bring one thing up real quick before we get off of... Uh, your your father um i realized you know when you worked with janichi you had a tremendous amount of pressure not only from yourself and trying to represent your family and your talent and make janichi happy but you're you were like double timing trying to i'm sure i'm assuming uh, making your father proud how was that experience working with janichi and honoring your father well, yeah, I mean, uh, that was uh, a really, really special time. Um, I, uh, it was, I think it was two, I mean, it was a year after my father passed. It was 2013, I think. Um, it was for Ice Alaska. And uh, I think just a few months ahead, he came up. I was just walking to the studio and he said, hey, you know, like, you know, in memory of dad, you want to come carve with me? And, you know, Junichi and my dad, I mean, they were carving together for, you know, more than a couple of years um, in, in both a, a, in Anchorage and in Fairbanks. And when they were together, I mean, they were such a, a, an amazing team, you know, with like they were just having so much fun together and uh, they had uh, an amazing chemistry, um, which is funny because they're very different people, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they they really rocked it. And um and left so many stories with so many people. I mean, I was touched when he, when he, uh, you know, um, um, asked me because uh, I know that he had a, a waiting list that was like, you know, almost ten years. You know, and he was like, "I'm still waiting." <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm also waiting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I put my name in the hat about twelve years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all have, you know. So um. So uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I he put me on a fast track that time, and he he just he just said let's do it, and he he he, he said he he basically said say yes or no now or 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 that's it, and I was like yes, that's it, you know. Um, also, um, I mean, I know you have big shoes to fill, in, and you're doing it, you know, and that's it. We we all do. We all have a legacy. We just talked to Hutch. Um, last podcast i mean we all don't have a shoes to fill in the ice industry but we, we all want to make our families proud and, and honor things so 
Um, that's super cool that you were able to make that, that connection, even though it was 10 years sooner than Ken and I. Um, but also, I mean, we, we try to focus on the podcast about, you know, giving back in this time and what you can do. And even before this time, you had volunteer, or I don't know the, the logistics, but uh, I uh, ran into you again at boot camp. That's right. Boot camp. And you were, I guess, just translating and attending for Janichi. And right. I, I want to say, do you remember that, that line? Because in case I'm misquoting it, because I've used it so many times, um, when you're looking up, somebody asks, Janichi, knowing everything you know, and of course, I don't have the verbiage perfect. Knowing everything you know, is there anything that you still feel like you need to work on? Like hands or hair or something, I think they said. And you translated, Janichi laughed. And he, I believe he said, you translated back. When you're looking up, there's always much to learn. Is that correct? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, you know, with, with your, the, the first question, um, what was it like working with him and stuff? And I, I didn't feel much like it was less about pressure or, or living up to something or not. And it was really just honor and, and, and just, and, uh, and just a kind of a humbleness, you know? And I, and I mean, kind of that humbleness and kind of this kind of, you know, the working, the basics is, is, is probably, you know, ingrained culturally, uh, kind of a Japanese culture and customs that, that, that I grew up within. And, you know, um, I think it was kind of, it's probably kind of close to what Junichi is talking about, but, um, you know, these, these top people, there's very little ego. That's the most amazing thing that I've learned growing up. You know, I had, and I've, been super fortunate growing up in Alaska, the most amazing places. And my father running a Japanese restaurant and we had this, we, we lived right behind the restaurant and we had this uh, dingy house, but tons of extra rooms. And dad being dad, you know, he, he was always kind of open armed and we've always had like photographers for National Geographics and like, you know, writers for like outdoor magazines and adventurists and characters were always just staying in our house. And uh, I was just always just talking to these people. And sometimes when I was little, they would like babysit me at home while they were working. And, and you know, these, all these amazing people, like the, the common thread has always been how humble they were and how, how like they, they lacked a kind of ego that, it was it was just always just you know just think about the basics and 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 just just really you know it was uh, just know, knowing yourself and and um, uh, you know just just know that what what you are and where you are is just bigger than 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 what you uh, kind of envision yourself to be you know. Um, so yeah, I think when, yeah, and then when people are asking me like, what, when, what can we do? What can we do to make ourselves better? And I, I think for him it was just like, just, just keep going, just keep going, you know? 
And ex that's exactly where we all are right now. <laughs> yes, sir. And you know, that's something that I've been trying to teach myself, um, that the, the very best have very little ego, you know, and my, my teammate and one of my many teachers, Angelita Babang, I mean, I know we mentioned that almost every other podcast, but he's putting out museum quality relief carvings. And until the pandemic, most people would never even know that he was capable of doing that. You know, and it's just, um, I guess, um, I don't want to misquote it, but uh, I won't even try with but um, I had an analogy, but I don't want to get it wrong. But it's, uh, the ego can get in the way, like the wagon before the horse. And I've myself have had to challenge myself to, to take it down. You know, it's, we're, we're all just people, and it really is about our, our experience and who we're spending our time with, and not so much of how much we can show off and when we get so used to people you know, saying well you're amazing this is amazing and sometimes it can go to your head but uh, you're, you're absolutely right the masters they could care less about that yeah yeah i worked with a chef many many moons ago and i was the boss and I go walking into this humongous kitchen with a staff that's bigger than any staff I personally ever saw at that point. But I was the corporate chef. And it was my job to walk into those places and make things happen. And I kind of got, I guess I was always really good at training people. But in the beginning, I was like a pretty hardline chef. And I would not budge on a lot of things. And I was loud. And the, uh, a chef that I really respect, he brought me in and he basically said what you said about the ego, Jess, but he said in another way, he said, every time you're in here and you're getting frustrated or angry, you get louder and louder and louder. And from now on, when you're in my kitchen, you will get quieter, quieter, quieter as you get frustrated. And I walked out of that office and I honestly made that like a life thing. And anytime things are getting a little spun, I really focus on how my communication efforts are, are, are going, you know? So keeping a good tone and making communication right and not taking things to a limelight of others, you know? It's a good message, you know, for people to think about and uh, just taking, we have lots of time right now, you know? So, and I wanted to ask because of time, I know everyone's had more time with their families and is there, you know, anything, you want to add to the tape uh, when kids are going back to school. I saw that you added like a, look like a little rec room during COVID time. Might've been at the shop, might not have been, but something was going on there. What's going on with the family too? Well, yeah, I mean, family's everything. And, uh, you know, my, my wife, Fuko, and I have a, you know, um, a 22 month old boy, Asuka. Um, they've, they've saved, they've saved me immensely just mentally all my spirits you know i mean i think again on the onset i i and i still i still deal with it but i'm i'm definitely fighting some depression and that comes and goes you know um i think a lot of artists 
is 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 facing this uh, during during this uh, more than ever. Um, and I I actually think about ice ice artists and family at large too because you know. Uh, arts business, like art sculpture, there, there's a lot of pressure, you know, and that builds up and there's a lot of highs that, that go along with it. And that, that sense of accomplishments that happens when you go through this crazy project that, that you make it happen. And, and it was very much true like, throughout all my life where just I would make work for, for a show until, you know, an opening and then like or go through creating some series of a big project and then when it's done like you go through some really serious blues you know and my blues were really deep and really dark um and like when this thing hit like it was really really hard and then just being a business owner being responsible for so many of my crews that are responsible for their life that i can't you know um take care of uh then after that was really really hard for me. Um, it, uh, it, it, I felt like I failed so many people. I failed myself. I, I failed my family. Um, I I I really really struggled. I'm, I'm, I you know I reached out to one of my you know all the, the closest uh, the mentors in Ice Family. I call. I, I I reached out to Aaron. I reached out to. Max Litta and you know uh, and uh, and Ben Ben Rand and you know I I needed to, to stay in touch with them and 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 I literally say like you know help me talk to me and that really helped um, and yeah my my wife you know Fuko I mean she is such a strong woman and such an amazing beautiful soul. Uh, you know, she's a, she's an artist herself. She's a, a really accomplished graphic designer uh, for almost a, a decade and a half with Sony Music. Um, she has produced photo shoots and designed covers for all the uh, top visible artists. Her specialties, uh, you know, uh, Beauty and Diva, her clients were, you know, um, Beyonce, and Mariah Carey, Michael Jackson Estate, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, all these people. We had champagnes that was <laughs> given to her from from oh. the boss. <laughs> but she was so casually open <laughs> for our for a date night or something, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, she, um, you know, she she helped me pivot, and she helped help help keep keep my head up high. And uh, um, the the playhouse you're you're mentioning, um, I have a you know my my shop. I have a, a side tenant space that, that I manage, and uh, that space ha happened to be um, open, available since uh, January my, when my tenant left. But but uh, my tenant left with quite a mess, and a lot of things that need to be repaired and renovated. Like he cut out a window, so I had to put in a, a whole new window frames and all these, you know, kind of uh, boarded up walls that he had and shelves that he left behind. So. I thought eventually I had to hire somebody to get that all fixed up while I run my business. But now that I have all this time, you know, um, a good buddy of mine, a, a, a floral designer, Kan Asakura, he's an amazing uh, Japanese floral designer who 
who uh, often uh, come to my shop to do his thing in exchange for helping me out doing little things here and there. You know, he and I, um, just once we're confirmed that we're COVID-free and, and, and healthy and strong, um, and, uh, you know, um, we started to kind of, kind of uh, clean that space up. And it was a, a good space. And, you know, while we were in lockdown, um, my, my, my boy was just hitting the age where he was just destroying everything in the house. He had to, <laughs> he had to keep moving. He had to climb the highest point he can and, and know exactly what, what not to touch and go right to it. It was just madness. And my wife was, was like, just, just we got to figure something else. So, you know, I made this little agenda where like, let's build a, 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 an amazing... <laughs> you know, place, place set where he can rock climb and go up and down and just do swings and whatnot, but like use everything that came out from kind of a demo. Uh, and that's what I did, you know, uh, uh, spent uh, the first about a month and a half just, just really doing that uh, and built this really fun piece. Um, and uh, act, the, the wall was really fun because I had this like beat up wall that I first was going to paint white, but then I was like, if I'm making this space for him, why not just draw all over for him, you know? And then I just kind of freehand drew like, you know, all different kind of animals and all these things. And, and I, just had, I just had fun with it. And so that was good. It was, it was nice to have that project kind of, kind of uh, keep, keep, you know, get me going and kind of, you know, um, uh, kind of, uh, kind of uh, depressure myself. We called them some silver linings, and we've talked about, I guess, when we had the COVID, and it's, it's, it's almost horrible to say that there could be such a thing, but we tried to look at all the positives because, as you mentioned, um, you yourself had, uh, you know, a dark road, and we, me and Jess have talked about this uh, almost every week since COVID started, you know, just concerned about our fellow people. And that's one reason we like the podcast, because it gives us an opportunity to break up things and bring a message to people. And I really appreciate you sharing it, because uh, Jess and I would agree that there's nobody's alone. And I know that you reaching out to Aaron was good. I'm sure Aaron needed to talk to somebody. And, uh, you know, Max needed to talk to somebody. Um, you know, I've talked to Julian uh, quite a bit and a few others uh, quite often. Jess and I have talked every week, sometimes twice a day. And, yeah, uh, if, I didn't have, if I didn't have Ken to call, I mean, you know, just to keep my sanity, and, and I don't mean to interrupt you, Ken, but no, I just chime in. I mean, it's, it's seriously though, you are not alone. We are all in the same boat, you know? I mean, it's like, I mean, the, the, the dark blues are real. And for an artist, that is anyway, even in the good times, yeah. you know? And so, I mean, if I wasn't halfway crazy even before this thing started, I certainly have nailed it now. And, um, you know, it's, it's all about the people that, you know, that, that we can call on and at least give us a call back. So I'm sorry, Kim, go ahead. No, that was great. I appreciate it. Jess and I have talked about this years ago and COVID brought this on. And I've spent a lot more time with my family. Jess has done the same. Sounds like you've done uh, the same. And we've all found ways to outlet, uh, which is good. And that's what people need to know. Now, um, you know, we, and a lot of people's businesses, you know, they were challenged. Obviously, 9-11, we just passed 
um, the date. I think today's the 14th now, so um, remembrance of that. 2008, we had the financial crisis. You know, a couple of our carving brethren out there have been hit by hurricanes numerous times. We talked to Dawson List, uh, who had, you know, Houston's problems and, and just go. I didn't even think of half the things that he brought up because he had definitely some disasters hit that I didn't even factor in. It oh, could yeah. be like somebody in California right now having all the fires. Yeah. Uh, you've had to ride through some disastrous financial situations. And this one, um, we're all agreeing, is going to end at some point. And we got to just come out on top. That's the best way I can put it, you know, is figuring out how to do things. Did you start, did you start doing anything else with your business uh, during COVID, shift things? You know, I know some people started making the plexiglass covers for businesses. Yeah. People doing ice to the Amish. And, um, <laughs> you know, there are things that there are big projects in the works. And, uh, we actually just had a large project. We had another carver contact us from the East Coast and uh, didn't have machines running and was able to produce about half the ice they needed and then wanted to see if we wanted to come in on the project. Uh -huh. So, uh, you know, half the ice going in and a team up project to do a, a deal, but it, it didn't come through, you know, and I, I always tell people, um, I don't, I, I try not to look too far into the future, you know, I'm, I'm not going to. I want, I want the business, but I also know right now where the money is and how people are going to spend it. But whenever that money shows up, telling people how ice markets and the marketability that it gives you, it's the best thing you can do is, you know, try to feed that information to them. And I don't know what the end game is with the money and the budget, but it's not a big, big ice project, something else. Yeah. You know? But, you know, what's Okamoto Studios doing or, or what are you doing, um, I guess, in light of all this? Are you doing any other kind of projects? Did your business start doing anything off the side that you weren't doing before? Well, yeah, you know, I think the, the big, big key word was pivot, right? Every business uh, entity was talking about pivot. And I'm, you know, I've, I've always been a podcast junkie and I'll just listen to so many different things and everybody's just talking about pivot, pivot. And uh, yeah, I'm, you know, one of the things that, uh, that, um, that I did was, you know, I had, you know, some uh, restaurants and bar clients who are suffering and continue to suffer. And, 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 you know, I cheer for them as, you know, in, in any way we can. And, um, you know, in New York, you know, there was, you know, the first lifeline was the kind of an emergency permit allowed for outdoor seatings, you know, where people couldn't eat in, inside, but just you, they, they can build a, you know, build a barrier, put on the tables and, 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 and continue business. So, as soon as that came up, I, we reached out to our, you know, our restaurant clients and contacts and, um, and, uh, you know, you know, my, my wife, you know, she has gone independent, uh, uh, a few years ago and, uh, she has many restaurant clients as well because she designs websites and does social media marketing and strategies. Um, and, uh, and, uh, she did our website. So if you love our website, my wife is the way to go. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but we reached out to these restaurant clients and, and they, um, 
uh, they they asked for us to build a barrier. So we we, we build uh, you know um, some barriers uh, that that those uh, you know kind of cool looking and and, and nice and and uh, build it fast so they can go right into business. So that, that kept us busy for, for a little while, you know? Um, and, uh, and, 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 and now, um, you know, I, I thought about different things here and there, but more than ever during this time, it was time, it, it was time for me to, um, I think for me on a personal level, go back to being an artist more than, like, like, like never before, like just, just thinking about what I can control. And there's very little that I can control in this, this situation. Um, but I had this, you know, studio, I have this shop and um, I have ice and I've always had all these different ideas that I wanted to, to, to try that would come up in my dreams or that, you know, jot down in notes little post-its that's like hanging on, on the, the little corner in the back of my desk. I kind of started putting those together and then kind of gave myself a, a kind of a, a project, you know? Um, and then this whole um, Black Lives Matter happened, you know, this whole kind of social unrest happened and protests going on and um, conversations that, that really needed to happen was going on. And it was taking a tangible, you know, form and shape, um, and people were out uh, expressing themselves, and I felt like it was only natural that, you know, I kind of connect in that. Um, so uh, I, I I started making little kind of pieces to leave in the city that people can respond to that again like for me it was always about how do I make myself relevant to the world to, to the world I live in you know um, as a human being as an artist and then as, as an ice sculptor now so that was the only thing that made sense to me so that's kind of what I did and I continue to do that um, while little things are, are coming back. Dan, can I chime in here? Please do. Um, that's beautiful, man. Uh, I have spent more time in the studio. Uh, you know, and like we said, we're, we're trying to not waste our time, utilize this time, and um, to be an artist is really to be free. You get up, you do whatever you want to, and that's freedom. Um, you know, obviously we have our responsibilities with our families and whatnot and financial obligation, but, you know, um, something about the fear of loss will rekindle desire, you know, and make way for an entirely new something. And um, I had found myself in the studio very little for years because I was always busy doing art for money instead of service like what you're saying with the black lives matter and things like that instead of service for demonstrations or religion or you know there's a big portion of what we do um, should be 
in service. I mean, I'm a little monetary driven. That's what I think. And, uh, you know, on that note, I want to say I applied for a job today for the first time in over 10 years. <laughs> I, 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 I had to rebuild a resume. Um, and, and it's not art related. It's just something I'm interested in. And I have the time. And it, it's, um, it probably will strike some people by surprise, but it's a heavy machinery mechanic. So I, I've always, uh, I grew up on a small farm, you know, dabbling with, uh, tinkering with uh, equipment. And the opportunity come up and I said, well, it's there. I have the time. Normally, $18 an hour, or whether it's 18 or 35 or 50, it really wouldn't interest me money-wise. I have to have something that is stimulating, um, passionate. So um, it's it's nice. I always say um, keeping the most powerful tool is an open mind, and you know we are all artists, and that will never go away. But now we have a little bit of time that we can dabble with something else, like working on every machine or whatever it is that you're interested in. So thanks for sharing. Well, one thing we like to do. Uh, Shintaro is we like to give the floor, the speakers, everyone's ears, so to speak, uh, to our to our guest and a good message to the ICE family out there. And then uh, you know, after that, uh, Jess, if you want to lead into asking about, um, you know, his favorite uh, ICE story, so to speak. Shintaro, the floor is yours. Give us a, a message to the ice artist community? Oh boy, uh, the ice artist community. Well, you know, uh, what I mean, what I love about, what I've always loved about ice community um, since the very, very, my first time, you know, um, carving ice with uh, my dad um, and that darn cold, winter it was this the warmest of hearts the, the most passionate of minds you know the craziest innovative amazing amazing people and that has been clearly evident in uh you know some of the um past episodes on this podcast that i got to listen to kind of as, as i kind of wanted to prepare myself or what the format may be and you know, like what just talking about, you know, him going and looking into big machineries to, you know, um, others, you know, going to, you know, uh, back to agriculture's to landscapings to, you know, the culinary arts to the, the there's just the, the the range of genre that 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 this people people go to and and just staying busy, you know, and. Uh, the spirit of the kind of the self-taught artists, you know, the kind of the wild pathways that people get to, to, to carve something as crazy as ice. And it's crazy to carve ice. It is a ridiculous material, you know? It's, 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 uh, it's a very frustrating, you know, cold, wet, heavy, slippery, dangerous, darn thing. But it is, it is beautiful and, um, 
it's it's it, it, it you you get hooked you know it's there's something there and and for me it was it was the a very underappreciated under investigated medium that i truly wanted to um figure out and ice was you know carving ice was a very very small part of my interest it's always been like what's what happens once it leaves our studio that's interesting to me you know ice as more of a performative arts piece you know like what it does to people and as a painter where where the work is incredibly static but but instantaneous and it takes long time for people to really kind of um you know you know get through it um and uh ice was so immediate and so palpable and uh, that was really enjoyable um and you know, I built this studio, and the studio, uh, you know, with my father, and uh, and now me and and all, you know, my 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 crew, the the artists that I work with, which I'm so honored to work with, leading up to it, and and so many of of us, we've been together for a long time, and and now we are apart, um, together apart, and and building up to it. But we all know that we're we're all in our individual way, trying to find a way back together uh, for this common, you know, um, love of working with ice, um, making our living working with ice, you know? So first I want to give shout out to uh, some of my crew um, artists that, that I've had the, the honor and fortune to work with, you know, please one, do. you know, artist Ben Grasso, you know, please check out his website. It's Ben Grasso. And he's, he's an amazing, amazing painter and artist. Um, we went to Hunter College together. Um, and we've been, we've been together since the very, very, very early years of our studio. He was one of our first. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's actually in, in, in Cleveland, Ohio right now because uh, that's where he's from. And uh, he bought a house uh, from an auctioned house, I think and uh, really kind of gutted the place and rebuilt it um, and did an incredible job. Um, the man, again, you know, um, he, he speaks so lovingly about my father and what he's learned from him and, uh, and, and, and Ben's finesse with anything that he touches, uh, everything he, 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 you know, he uh, creates. Uh, so please, please check out, check out what he does. Uh, give a shout out to Thomas Brown, uh, another incredibly very versatile artist. Uh, you can check out his uh, Instagram, uh, Thomas Brown Affairs. Um, and, uh, you know, since COVID, uh, he started carving avocado seeds uh, and they are gorgeous. He, he, he kind of got into this uh, niche marketing market, niche, niche market of carving pets, like pet cats and dogs out of these, you know, very intricate carvings. And he has beautiful presentations and showing them around. And uh, they are selling like hotcakes. So check those out. And again, you know, keeping himself busy, you know. Uh, so he's got that. Um, How'd you get guacamole? <laughs> he's, he, he says he's, he's eaten way too, too many avocados at this point. <laughs> yeah, friends sending him avocado seeds every day, and they're beautiful, beautiful. 
And it's got I can't a, wait to look at this. Yeah. Um, I got my buddy, Joe Hunt. Um, you know, he, he's not a social media guy, but I'm going to give out a shout out to him anyway. Uh, he's always been my, you know, right-hand man uh, doing everything at Studio A to Z. Uh, I miss him dearly because whenever I had trouble with my CNCs, he was the guy who would just jump in and figure it all out and making it more beautiful than before. And uh, he's, uh, he's now back home upstate in Carmel, New York, taking care of his you know, uh, elderly parents. Um, but he was showing me uh, his little wood carvings he's been doing and they're super fun and super cute and uh, you know, um, love staying in touch with him. And you know, I have my other crews from, from Pedro uh, to you know, Dylan to Naeem to um, Taichi and Jean and just all these people that I, that I, I dearly, dearly miss. And uh, I just have to believe uh, that, that everybody's staying busy and, uh, you know, um, and uh, we'll, we'll find our ways together to, to get through this. And, uh, you know, my, my, my goal is to keep all the spirits um, going strong, uh, keeping this, this place open and, uh, um, keep thinking about ice. Nice. Awesome. So that's, that's my shout out. I, you know, to the ice, ice community at, at large, this, 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 uh, I'm, I'm humbled by what they do. It, there's nothing from, from my end. I get so much from them. Um, I really enjoy the, you know, the, the posts and, and I really, really appreciate people who, who, who reach out to me and, and, and people who, who respond back when I reach out to them and man, I, I need help, you know, and, uh, um, and, uh, I've, I've learned so much, um, from, from everybody and, uh, um, you know, Junichi called me up the other day, just checking up on me and, uh, he's, he's doing, he's doing great. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I look forward to seeing, seeing all of you guys soon. Likewise. So, uh, can you tell us, uh, maybe your favorite ice carving story? Maybe it's a crash to rebuild or... It could be a late night at a bar or a cafe. It doesn't matter. Man, um, I suck at these stuff. Um, favorite story. Yeah, uh, you know, usually these favorite stories, I think it ends up being kind of a disaster story where we at the end say, can we not do that again? You know, um, I think some of the things that we often laugh about here uh, when we start kind of talking about battle scars and, and you know, disaster stories. Uh, we've done a couple overseas projects. One of the projects we did was we did a, a giant, giant ice bar in the middle of a desert in Qatar for one of the prints um, long ago. Um, and uh, it, was a, it was a project where, we, where I had to purchase ice from Dubai and and uh, when it arrived well first of all when it arrived two days late um, which gave us almost only like a day and a half of production where we had to do all of it uh, 
Um, and it was still pretty early on in our, our uh, uh, you know, studio uh, lifeline. So, you know, I was very much learning. And, uh, um, you know, uh, I, I, we finally got the, the, the trailer and it was like 100 blocks. Uh, no, I, I, uh, more, more, more than that, way more than that. The trailer opens up and the first like row of ice up front was clear, but everything in the back was like can ice with white in the center. So we got cheated and, and I just wanted to curl up and ball and just, just <laughs> not know what to do. And then, uh, um, two biggest guys from my crew, Jeremy and Tim, uh, two alums of ours. Uh, Jeremy's now uh, an amazing firefighter uh, just outside Seattle. Uh, also, uh, you know, continuing, you know, his arts in his time. And, and Tim, he's an enologist now making wine in, in California. Um, but these two guys kind of came right in front of me and, and just said, all right, let's figure this out. Because first thing we had to do is, or, well, I mean, never mind what to do with, with can ice. Um, because that kind of threw all our designs out and had to redesign everything. We had to unload this thing and we had very little equipment to figure this thing out. And it was melted out. It was melted pretty much because like, I think the reefer was down for the past 24 hours or something. Um, and then like these, uh, these, um, you know, helpers, uh, like, you know, our, our, our clients sent, 20 or so um, Tibetan helpers with, with flip-flops have never touched ice that kind of crawled all, all around us and just started to unload the ice with, with bare hands, with their, their feet exposed and slipping around and giggling, like not knowing what the consequence may be when these <laughs> things drop. Never mind, we can't afford to drop any of these things, you know? So, so Tim and Jeremy jumped right in and just started managing the, these guys and figuring out game plans without understanding the, the, the languages, just, just from body, you know, language and, and figuring out the forklift in, in the most creative ways to make these things come, come out. And they, they managed, managed to create this crazy slides out of crates and catching it with forklift and it was like watching something out of Disney's Fantasia, you know, where things were just flying, but no one got hurt and everything got unloaded, nothing broke. And we spent the next day and a half cutting the ice, resizing the ice, each block, redesigning it and uh, figure it all out. And we got it all done and we looked at each other and we just said, can we not do that again? <laughs> but doesn't that make every other project super easy? No, man, nothing <laughs> easy. Nothing in life is easy, Jess, you know that. Yeah, I know. But also, I mean, you know, we can't succeed alone, but we can succeed if we all work together. And it exactly. sounds like you've got a killer team. We we brought this up several times, you know, we all have got, teams of people that we work with and uh, mine is like 
by project, project to project. And it sounds like you've got a whole core crew and um, the, the trust and the relationships you know, that you develop and, and that it really is something to strive to get back to, like you said. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, we've been around for a while and, you know, I certainly went through the whole Lehman shock and that was, uh, you know, that was a whole, you know, shit show too, but we, we, we came through, you know, through and came back stronger than ever, you know. Um, so I think with kind of a just determination, vision, humbleness, hard work, you know, I got a great poster in my shop that I have it at home. I have it everywhere. And it says, work hard and be nice to people. And that was very much the model that I think the, my, my father really emulated. And uh, whenever I see that word, and, you know, right next to my dad's face, you know, it's just, it kind of centers me. Um, and uh, that, that's all I got right now. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. To, I'm back to that right now. Well, man, like you said, pivot. And that's what everyone's had to do. And we're going to have to pivot a couple more times around everything as it goes. Uh, but everybody, uh, you know, reach out to somebody and tell them that they can reach out, you know, back to you. Uh, people need to talk to people. Uh, people need to share stories, good ones, you know. And also there's, there's great ideas out there what people are doing to make some money talking to Pivot. So, you know, intercommunication among ourselves is great. And that's part of this podcast. And I have, this is a great podcast. Uh, you know, I think you were a great guest. I'd like to have you back in the future at some point. We're going to do some roundtables at some point. And we're also going to do some interactive podcast where, you know, say there was something that you, you were like, oh, yeah, I can do. I'm trying to get Angelita to do a hand. And uh, he's not going to do it. He sent a message a week ago. And he's like, leave me alone. I'm busy <laughs> so he'll do it eventually but you know it's one of these things we can add in other things and we'll look at having you come back because we, we definitely are going to fill the airwaves uh, with a good podcast and i really appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this one and uh jess if you don't have anything else i'm gonna let shintaro get riding out of here well i got one thing to say in closing um First of all, thank you so much, Ken and, and Shintaro. And, you know, back to what you said just now, I mean, you're trying to work hard and be kind. And, you know, I'm, I'm asking myself, well, what does this world need instead of just complain about it? Yeah. And then I think to myself, well, give it. What is in between you and what you're trying to do? And what, what are you trying to do? What, what can we give back? Because as artists, uh, we have a advantage. We can do create. We can we can be creative in our thinking process, and um, I I know that we'll all survive. Um, but you know, I, I just want to say again, thank you, thank you for joining us. Love, kindness, compassion, patience. That's what I'm going to try to give because I think that's what the world needs. I want to look at each other as equals across the board. And, you know, right now with, we don't get into politics or anything like that, but right now everybody's looking down on each other. And um, as artists, 
it's our job to inspire and uplift and ignore that negativity and and stick together. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Jess. Yep. Pintaro, thanks. We appreciate your time. And uh, we're going to sign out for the night. And we appreciate all the listeners that will get on this. This was our 12th podcast. And uh, we'll get back up and running to do the 13th. Uh, Jess and I will roll the dice and make contact with somebody this week and see where we end up. We're trying to still go around the states and end up out of here too. So we'll do that. Shintaro, cool. thanks. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Ken. I really appreciate it. It was, it was, it was fun. Thank you, guys. It was fun. See ya.